0: Good morning, church family. It's good to see you all here this morning. While you're finding your seat, I want to let you know about an announcement from the ladies, from the women's ministry. I am so excited that soon I will be heading to Pigeon Forge to be with many of you. Um, we, for our ladies' retreat, which is going to be Friday and Saturday, January 20 and 21. Uh, our resort, where we're staying, is right in the middle of Pigeon Forge. So we'll be right in the middle of all that action and fun. But we will be meeting for the first time on Friday evening, which is a week from this Friday, at 8 p.m. for our special speaker, Renee Gamble. Ladies, you are going to love Renee. She is a, an energetic, young pastor's wife, and um, she is... Her love for the Lord and the word is just contagious. You won't want to miss it. In the foyer, you'll see a a flyer, an informational flyer. On that flyer is information on how you can reserve a room at the resort. There is still time. There is still room. So you can go ahead and do that. Also on that flyer is our, our itinerary. And also my phone number. So if you'd like to call or text if you have any questions or see me today... Uh, we plan this retreat as a getaway just for you ladies and if you're able to come we sure hope you'll
1: join us thank you thank you camilla good morning church let me make a few other announcements um, because it is the beginning of the semester beginning of the new year there's some things I want to introduce to you in just a second but Let me make you aware of some needs within our body as well. Excuse me. Um, Our hearts go out to the Sandberg, Rice, and Martin families at the home going of Jesse Sandberg. As many of you know, the service will be here tomorrow. Visitation will be here from 11 to 1, and the service will be at 1 o'clock. Funeral will be here at 1 o'clock. Also, Brandon Lidke, one of our members is uh, with his family, with his mom. Please be praying for for Brandon and his mom. Uh, She has got fluid on the lungs. She's getting kidney dialysis. There's an unknown mass. So there's a variety of things that they are looking at there with some concerns. So um, we want to be lifting him and his family up as well. Um, Some things to make you aware of. As we as we get going with, um, we re-enter our regular schedule. Uh, we have some new opportunities for growth coming, and that begins at 11 o'clock this morning, both with electives and with Sunday school classes. So, just a reminder that our Sunday school classes are uh, more long-term relationships, and those classes are built around typically stage of life. Um, Most of these classes are starting with a new study. For example, uh, Fred Bennett's Sunday school class that meets in the room just outside the auditorium here is beginning a a study called Finishing Well Like Caleb. How do we consider our legacy? How do we we finish well instead of tapering out? How do we make sure that our influence is felt deeply? And so um, that's one opportunity for you as far as Sunday school classes go. But we also have... Um, four new electives that are starting up beginning today and next week. Electives are short-term. So our electives that are starting are are typically, they're about 10 weeks long. Um, These are uh, communities that gather to grow, focusing on a specific foundational topic. So the foundational topics that we're exploring this coming uh, 10 weeks are Bible interpretation, how do we understand, how do we interpret, how do we apply the Bible properly? And so my father-in-law, Burdette Bergen, will be leading you through that study, and that's going to meet in the church office out here. Um, Our friend Bill Hall is going to be doing a New Testament survey, so a flyover in 10 weeks, he's going to cover the entire New Testament, and some of you just want to see how somebody could do that. Um, so come check that out. He's going to be meeting in room 12, which is back behind the stage here. Um, a big picture. How does the whole New Testament, how does it fit together? How does it unfold? How do we, how do we fit those puzzle pieces together? In the auditorium here will be the um, sermon in review class. So um, reviewing, reflecting on, and applying pastor's message from this morning. And then next week Our lady study that meets every other week to be led by Tina Holcomb is pray about everything, worry about nothing. Um, And so that class will meet next week and be in the foyer there. So let me encourage all of us, please don't don't, um, leave after the fellowship time. Or leave after the service, but these communities of of learning and gathering are uh, we feel like are essential to going deeper with Christ, enjoying Him, growing in our relationships. So, if you have any questions about those, I'm going to be in the foyer after the service, and I'm happy to to answer any of those. Um, if you would stand with me right now, and let's read our verse for this coming. Series, Pastor has begun a series on the Gospel of John. Would you read this verse together with me? All things came into being through him, and apart from him, nothing came into being that has come into being. Let's pray. Lord, we gather here in Jesus' name for his glory we gather with a desire to celebrate what you've been doing in our hearts and in our relationship with you. We gather here to have the eyes of our hearts open to what you are doing and to what you want to say to us this morning in this gathering. And we gather to more effectively, to be equipped to more effectively show you Jesus and communicate your gospel and your love to those in our particular realms of influence. So Spirit of God, would you come? Would you inhabit the praises of your people? Would you give us a holy anticipation that you have something to say in this hour, for this time, and in this morning? So we pray, still our hearts, fix our minds, and please come, Lord, meet with your people. We pray this in Jesus' name.
2: king this morning. Sing with us.
3: Come, let us worship our King. Come, let us bow at His feet. He has done great things. And see what I say, God has done. And see how His Shake of hallelujah! You have done great things. Sing that again with us. Oh, hallelujah, God! Above hallelujah, God! Unshake of
2: thankful for that this morning. What a great God we have. Oh, worship the King.
3: I searched, I searched the, the world, world for a love that could feel. we no!
2: stand in your presence this morning because you allow us to do that and we're thankful for the privilege that we have to raise our voices to you in praise for thanksgiving and gratefulness for jesus and what he did on the cross his resurrection and the hope that we have for eternal life god help us never to take that for granted We love you today, and may our worship be to Jesus, Jesus, you alone. For it's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. You may be seated.
4: We've been blessed by our singing. We have been encouraged by the truths that we have declared. And the foundation of those things are found in the integrity of his word, the trustworthiness of it, and the hope that it brings, stability that affords us and all of these things. We're grateful for what the Word of God teaches us about the person of himself. I'd like for you to go with me to John's Gospel this morning and looking together at this book, we will be for some time, taking our time through it and not necessarily looking at it in its entirety in one setting, but to use it as ways for God to instruct our hearts and to challenge us in some different ways as we march through this book of John. As we think about this book and what we're looking at here, we come to what I would say is a, a book that calls us to come and see. And we'll talk about that in just a little bit. But I want to read the first 18 verses of this first chapter of John In what is known as the prologue to John, it says, In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. And he was in the beginning with God. And all things came into being through him, and apart from him, nothing came into being that has come into being. In him was life, and the life was the light of men. The light shines in the darkness, and the darkness did not comprehend it. There came a man sent from God whose name was John. He came as a witness to testify about the light so that all might believe through him. He was not the light, but he came to testify about the light. There was the true light which coming into the world enlightens every man. He was in the world and the world was made through him and the world did not know him. He came to his own and those who were his own did not receive him. But as many as received him, to them he gave the right to become children of God, even to those who believe in his name, who were born, not of blood, nor of the will of the flesh, nor of the will of man, but of God. And the word became flesh and dwelt among us, and we saw his glory, glory as of the only begotten from the Father, full of grace and truth. John testified about him and cried out, saying, This was he of whom I said he comes after me, has a higher rank than I, for he existed before me. For of his fullness we have all received, and grace upon grace. For the law was given through Moses, grace and truth were realized through Jesus Christ. And no one has seen God at any time. The only begotten God who is in the bosom of the Father, he has explained him we 're beginning a journey through the book of John, and as we begin this book, we need to explore what I would call as the prologue. This is a, a place inside of the beginning of a book, and we see this often. I enjoy good reads and I enjoy a good book. These days I find myself being more involved with audio books and things like this. I find it very hard just to sit and hold a book in my hand when I've got 20 other things that are nagging at the, niggling at the edges of my mind. And so an audiobook just allows me, and, and I, I, I like a, a good sci-fi novel, a good mystery novel, and, and these are things that helps to kind of pull away, and then you get into C.S. Lewis or some others, and just allow them to you know, speak to my heart and mind. So I, I try to read in a very eclectic and very different varieties of, of reading. And as I'm thinking about it, you know, uh, uh, there's certain books and the way they will begin, they begin with something that introduces us to the setting. It sort of sets the stage. It might be a mystery and and you get a little bit of a glimpse of something that pulls you into the story, into the world, into the lives and prepares you for the adventure and and enjoying what is about to come. A prologue sets that stage. It grants the reader a little bit of of a place to begin so that the rest of the story can really begin in earnest. You can get introduced to the setting and to the tone, like a a good mystery will get your goosebumps up. You know, get you a little bit of a jump in the dark kind of a feel when you're anticipating what this is all about. You're having just enough clues or just enough of an anticipation of the adventure that is afoot. And John brings us into his novella with a prologue. Kossenberger affirms the opinions of many others when he writes that John's prologue doubtless represents one of the most beautiful and carefully crafted poetic portions in the entire New Testament. That's quite a statement. When you read those first 18 verses there, we don't appreciate that this is actually a very well-crafted, almost a poetic expression that John introduces his book with. It's quite a statement to think about, of all the entirety of the New Testament, this opening here is probably one of the most carefully crafted segments of our entire New Testament. In poetic literature, there is a very old form known as chiastic writing. A chiasm is a form where you begin with a statement followed by a series of additional expressions, and then you come to a center point and after this movement, then you begin to stair-step back up in parallel thoughts to what led you down to this point. So when you read in John chapter 1, John chapter 1 and verse 1 is actually a chiasm. Let me put it up on the screen. It looks like this. There you go. And that may look a little bit convoluted, a little bit technical, but it's an interesting flow because you have the statement in the beginning and then there's this word was. In the beginning was, the next statement, the Word, and the Word was, and then you come to really in this case two very central thoughts, with God and God, and that movement then parallels back again to the statement of was, the Word, this one was, in the beginning with God, It's a chiastic expression. He moves from a place of beginning, comes back to a place of beginning. And each one of those movements pulls us into that dynamic V, that movement into a central thought that he wants us to get. It's a literary way of pulling our attention to a center point, a place of prominence in what he's about to say. And it is all about this one who is not just with God, but is God. The other neat thing about this prologue is that the entire thing is a larger chiasm. Verses 1 through 18 is one very large chiasm. John starts and he finishes his prologue with a key point to be made in the middle of the chiasm. And this is what it would look like. Notice the layout of this passage from verses 1 all the way down to verse 18. You begin with the understanding in verses 1 through 5 of the words activity inside of creation. In verses 6 through 8, you notice how John comes on the scene. John the Baptist, he becomes the witness concerning the light. And what is this one? In verses 9 through 14, the heart of everything that he wants us to get is that the incarnation of the word and the privilege of becoming God's children as a result of this relationship that we share with Jesus Christ. And then he moves back out again to John's witness concerning this word, this one's preeminence. And then verses 16 through 18, the final revelation brought by Jesus Christ. So the words, activity, and creation to the place then of seeing his revelation as coming as Christ to this world. He begins the journey on this planet. He comes as flesh. He comes ready to exact his his presence upon the world to explain God As everything that God could explain about his creative power in Genesis 1-1, in that beginning place, Christ was present. And in this place of beginning here upon this earth, Christ being present with us changes everything. And so we find ourselves inside of a prologue. In both of these chiasms, the central figure is the incarnate expression of God the made flesh reality of an invisible God that has never once been seen or handled or touched or heard from, except in that auditory expression of himself to very few select individuals, now he has come to be visible and plain for the world to see. I like how Arthur Pink helps us understand the differences between how John presents Christ by contrasting how the other gospel writers do so In Arthur Pink's writing, he says this: he says, Matthew portrays the Lord Jesus as the son of David, the heir of Israel's throne, the king of the Jews, and everything in his gospel contributes to this central theme. He goes on to say, in Mark, Christ is seen as the servant of Jehovah, the perfect workman of God. And everything in this second gospel brings out the characteristics of his service and the manner in which he served. Luke treats the humanity of the Savior and presents him as the perfect man, contrasting him with the sinful sons of men. And then you come to the fourth gospel, the gospel of John, and it views him as the heavenly one come down to earth, the eternal son of the Father made flesh, and that he is tabernacling among men. And from start to finish, this is the one dominant truth which steadily which is steadily held in view, end quote. You have basically three ingredients inside of this prologue. You have the word, the witness, and the world. And the title of word that's used here for Christ is never used again in the Gospel of John past this prologue. In The rest of the book, you never see him referenced again specifically by that title, but John introduces us to this one in this prologue. He brings to bear, brings to light, the identity of Jesus Christ by giving him this title, which then has a press upon the rest of the book. It presses us to understand what it means in the, in the expression of God seen visibly in the person of Jesus Christ. Then you have terms inside of the prologue like life and light. It's interesting, light, the word light is found all the way up until chapter 12, which is almost the midpoint of the book, and you never see reference again to light again after that point. The challenge to come and see, this is what I've given to our series here, this expression of John. It's interesting how often those words, the words behold, come, see, How often you find it moving throughout the entirety of the book. And so it pressed upon my heart to think about it. what John is saying to us as a people, to a nation, to a world, to a group of people. I want you to come and see what was once hidden, what was once not made plain, what has always been on the outskirts, in the shadows, is now what God has brought and made to come to bear. I want you to come and see this one. All through the book of John, people are urged to behold, to see Jesus. And I love, and this is really where my heart grew to that statement, is the woman at the well in John chapter 4, where she says, I want you to come see a man. It's amazing that when Jesus comes upon the scene, it pulls people to, to the truth, to hope. And to some, it pushes them darker. And pushes them back into the shadows because they can't stand what the light has revealed about themselves. I don't know where you are this morning. I don't know if you're one that is standing on the brink and on the edge and you're looking into the light, but you're still in the darkness. And in your heart of hearts, you know that there is something that you need and you're longing for. And that's what the gospel of John says, come out of the shadows, come and see Jesus. Some of you are standing fully in the light and you're so appreciative of what the gospel has brought into your world and you know full well your relationship is settled and you are now made as this verse tells us, you are made as a child of God to everyone that believes. And then there are some of you that have just completely turned your back. And my hope is that through the process of our study together in the Gospel of John, that God will grip your heart and move your eyesight from what you cannot see, and yet you're longing to find in the obscureness of the darkness, and turn your eyes to see him for who he is. This is your God. This is Jesus. The purpose for John writing the book is found in chapter 20. He waits almost to the very end to remind us of why he wrote and life is is a key theme that comes up all the way through this book and is stated as the key reason for John writing the book. In John chapter 20, verse 30 and 31, he says, therefore, many other signs Jesus also performed in the presence of the disciples, which are not written in this book, but these, verse 31, have been written so that you may believe that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of God, and that believing you may have life in his name. Do you have life? This book is written with a very clear objective, that you and I might discover this one who is given a name, but whose very existence was not begun by birth to a virgin in a little town called Bethlehem. That we might come to believe in him, not just as one who speaks sage words as some wise guru would, but has the power of life in his very voice. That we might believe in him as the one who, in his coexistence with God, created everything and stands in stark contrast to the darkness that evil brings, the shadow of death that sin brings, and in its place we would find what the Word has to offer in life and in light. In the beginning, where origin and authority along with purpose began, was the Word, The word was with God. The word was God. The very English word that is used here to translate was is no insignificant word. The meaning of that word that we just sort of move right past has the idea of being, of existence, of being on hand in fact, Paul would pick up on this very thought in Philippians chapter two and verse six, where he says, who, although he existed in the form of God, did not regard equality with God a thing to be grasped. This was not something that was outside of the very character of who Jesus is. He was worthy of this exaltation, worthy of this recognition. He is God. And so as we reread John 1, 1, in the beginning existed the word The Word was on hand with God. The Word was God by very nature. He is in His being, God. This is who we worship this morning. I want you to notice with me three simple summary statements of John 1 1 as we go through this prologue and think about what it is that John is revealing to us and thinking about how he describes the person that comes right at the very beginning of the page. The very first thing, his quill, is he would write out his book, In the beginning was the Word. And the Word was with God. And the Word was God. What is John saying? Three summary statements. First of all, the declaration of Christ. And we took a little bit of time looking at this in our New Year's service. I'm not going to take a lot of time on this one, but really we cannot be remiss to bring us together with this thought to understand what John is doing here. Is he is by this statement, in the beginning was the word, he's making a declarative statement here. This is not something of whimsical nature. This is not something of some fantastical. This is not an ideology that I'm talking about here. I'm talking about something very tangible, something very real, something graspable. This is God. This is the Word. In the beginning was. He is the word. We spent time on this but the point being is in a point of beginning at the point where something changed and what had been the being known as God was already there. This is not something that brings us an introduction to his existence. He doesn't start to exist in this moment. We did not conjure him up in our imaginations. We did not somehow have some way of fashioning him and creating him out of the ether of our thoughts. Before we existed, at the moment of our coming into existence, God was already there not just God in that specific in that general sense but specifically the word was there in that in that moment John is making it abundantly clear that Jesus was there too at this point of beginning where purpose and authority stepped up and created something that had not existed prior the word is the voice to be heard Christ is declared as the originator that leads me then really to the heart of the statements that he comes with and taking us into some thoughts here this morning to the second summary statement, not only the declaration of Christ, but second of all, the distinction of Christ. And the word was with God. You see, John isolates the person of Christ as distinct from the other parts of the Godhead. I like how Gerald Borchardt Helps explain it when he writes it this way. He says this. He says, literally, it means toward God. He argues that this is a, it's a hard way. It's, there's no real easy way to translate this in our English. It, it really carries more of the understanding of towards God. In the beginning, the word was towards God. What do you mean by that? Well, he goes and it's such a translation has the advantage of emphasizing a differential in the Godhead between the parties. But he goes on to warn, Borcher goes on to warn in his, in his writing, this expression should not be read merely as connoting that the Word was in the presence of God, but rather that there existed a kind of an interactive reciprocity between the Word and God. In other words, there is a mutual response between the parts of the Godhead, and specifically between the Word, Jesus, and and the rest of the Godhead, everything about them, there is a mutual reciprocity. There is something that's going on. There's a, an exchange that's happening amongst them. The idea of God's existence is going to something that John is going to expand upon in his writing as he, he talks about the Godhead, which will eventually become more clear as understanding of the Trinity that will come up in the Gospel of John. The Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit Whereas John here would say, Father, Word, and later in John chapter 16, reconnect us to the Holy Spirit's working. Christ is that very distinct person that's found within the Godhead. He's not an outsider, not just possessing divinity like an angel, But as the third summary statement John is going to make here, as he understands this, this, the sense of distinction about Christ, he goes into that third statement of summary, and it's called the deity of Christ. John very quickly makes this point, and the Word was God. In his very existence, he is God. He takes no time in making his point very clear. Jesus, the Word, is God. There is no doubt in John's writing that Jesus is connected to the Godhead by every right. Again, that's what Paul is referring to in Philippians chapter 2. But over the years, there have been some who have tried to challenge this meaning by rewriting this passage. Specifically, the Jehovah's Witnesses do this as they treat the language here as saying that Jesus was not God, but was just a God. The JWs argue that Jesus was someone lesser or a lesser being or a lower deity under the one true God. And they'll come to John chapter one and they walk up to your door and they may try to infer upon you that that's not what John one is saying. They'll try to tell you that there is no definite article in front of the name of God. And so they'll try to argue that Jesus, the word was a God and not the God. And the problem is they don't understand Greek and there's rules in Greek that don't allow for that. But then also there's a word that John would have used in his place if that's exactly what he meant. The point is that John was introducing the word to the readers of his day as the one that is declared to the world as the word. This word is distinct from the other persons of the Godhead, and he is, in fact, God. Okay, so what does this have to do with me? What's the point? Jesus basically is going to say upon the world scene, come with me if you want to live. You want to know life? You want to know about how you got here and where you're going? You want to understand who is ultimately in charge, who is ultimately responsible? To whom am I accountable? Do you want to find the truth of your purpose for existing? But the real question is, is will you listen to the word? The point is that you have a decision to make, that when this person speaks, the question is, is will you listen? When this God acts, will you observe? When this deity steps in front of you, will you just walk around him, or will you stop, observe, and will you believe that Jesus, the Word, is the God of your life or not? The prologue isn't done yet yet. But even as we introduce ourselves to this very first verse, it just sets us up to see what the rest of this book is going to be about. John is saying, I want you to come and see. I want you to see who Jesus is. I want you to understand, first and foremost, He is God. And we are confronted then with our own design, our own desire. We're confronted with our destination and our destiny. We're confronted with everything about what we perceive as what is my right, my place, my purpose. And how do I fit into all of this? Unless you're real clear on who is your God, you're gonna be very unclear on how you understand your place in the world. And the beauty is, is exactly what he says in verse 18. No one has seen God at any time The only begotten God who is in the bosom of the Father, the Word, He, has explained Him. You're trying to figure out who God is? It's the Word of life that will truly make it possible. He is the only one that can set you free. Come and see. And I hope as we work through the Gospel of John together that in the areas of your life where you're letting what's happening around you in this world Begin to bombard and intrude into your space. That you'll be able to recognize. What does Christ have to say about that? What does the Word have to say? Some of you are facing death. Aren't we all? The Word speaks to that. A sense of confidence. The place in my life. The Word speaks to that. Come and see. And let's see who Jesus really is. Let's stand together for a word of prayer. Father, I pray that as we think about our position with you, and if there's one here today that is unclear of who you are, I pray that there would be a real sense of certainty that what is declared and what is seen and what is known is that you are God. And that puts us into a wrestling point, a place where a decision has to be made. If you are God, that what is my responsibility to him as God? Lord, I pray that as the gospel, the person of Jesus Christ is made more plain, that whether we are trusting in it for salvation or not, there will be aspects of our life that will be clear and seen as you begin to shine light upon our hearts and in our lives. And may you be more clearly seen in all the areas of our life. And so, Lord, for that lost person that's here this morning, I pray they would begin to search to see who you really are. And for that person who claims to be your child, I pray that they would do the same to begin to wonder where have I substituted Christ with something lesser that this world has offered me. May we come and see you for who you really are. Speak to our hearts. Encourage our hearts. And Lord, give us a confidence in our faith that we believe because in you is life as the Son of God. Encourage our hearts to walk this week in that life. And it's in Christ's name we pray. Amen.
3: Christ alone. In Christ the Lord, my hope is hard. He is my light, my strength, my soul the cordial.
2: you. Thank you for joining us this morning. Thank you, Pastor, for your uh, diligence and dedication to the Word. We're thankful for Him and uh, just thankful for the Word and how it ministers to our heart. Um, if you're visiting with us, w- with us, we would love to um, meet you. Uh, we have a short time of fellowship. Uh, if you go through these doors and through the double doors on out in the courtyard into the fellowship hall, uh, just about a half hour of uh, fellowship time just to get to know you. We'd love to see you back there. Lord bless you.